You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm your host, Alex Navarro. I'm very excited for today's episode. We have a special guest. Not that our other guests aren't special either. I always say that, and I realize <laughs> they're all very special. Um, but this one in particular is because um, she was a guest on one of the early episodes of Biojacked. And if you've uh, been following the brand for a long time, you may have heard of her, Marcy Nevin. Want to say hi? Hi, Alex. Hi, everybody. It's so nice to be back. Very excited to have you here. It's been years, I feel like. It's been almost three years. I think the first time I was on was, I want to say, like maybe December of 2012 and then again we did that julia ladewski episode which i think was on new year's day of 2013 so yeah about three years and time has totally flown by isn't it crazy It, it is crazy but like i said i'm really excited to be back because when you guys left and went to Austin, I was like, oh, sad. I'm not going to be able to do any more podcasts. And <laughs> I had such a good time doing it. But I guess everything comes full circle. And here we are again. So thank you for asking me to be on the show. You're very welcome. And then just as a reminder, for those of you who did listen to the original episode with Smart with Marcy, it was the wedding episode. Was that the first one that you did? That was the first one. I think I did three, three or four Um one was me, Kiefer, and Mary. There was one with me, Kiefer, Jim Laird. Jim, that's right. And you were on that one. That's right. And then the one that you and I did with Julia. That's right. And that was a good one. That was a good I one. I really enjoyed yeah. that one. Well, we'll go ahead and put those old episodes um, probably in the show notes for those of you who want to re-listen to them who want or who want to listen to them for the first time because they're definitely good ones. Mm-hmm. Specifically, that wedding episode, I remember it getting a lot of really good feedback and I think it was helpful for a lot of women, um, specifically those who were looking for more of like a CBL approach. Um, you know, even though we talked about wedding, I think it was very relevant to a lot of you know, lifestyles that we see for for some of the the female audience. Absolutely. Right on. Well, today we're going to touch on a few different things, but more specifically going to talk about goal setting and how to adjust your diet and your training around specific goals and how to adjust those when your goals need to change, whether it's because life comes up or Um, health comes up or those various reasons, um, just how to make those shifts when it's appropriate. So do you want to just give us a little update as to what you've been up to since the last time we talked and, you know, kind of what you've been having to do in terms of making those kinds of adjustments? Right. So I will not get into my full long story because it would take forever. But I mean, briefly, just to kind of fill everybody in, 
you know, I've been doing this for a really long time. So I'm now, I'll be 32 in January. And I probably started lifting weights when I was, you know, 15. And it was all for aesthetics, right? I didn't like how I looked. And so I was going to make a change. And I started going to the gym and doing all these things and, you know, following workouts and diets and Oxygen Magazine and all that. And it, it got me into a lot of trouble. And I kind of went down this like really deep rabbit hole of wanting to be leaner, but wanting to be more muscular and doing all this cardio and cutting calories and restricting my diet. And, um, you know, I was, I guess, ignorant and naive at the time because there was not really any talk about health. And so I didn't really know any better. And I thought that I was healthy because I was, you know, quote unquote, eating clean, um, (laughs) which at that time was um, a lot of like processed foods with you know, chemicals and preservatives, but it was low fat, it was low sugar. And so I thought that, you know, it was still like, it was healthy. Um, And then doing lots of exercise. So weight training every day and doing cardio every day, working out twice a day. Um, And yeah, and I, I mistakenly thought that I was doing everything right when, and I looked okay on the outside, but internally my body was going through a lot of really negative changes that I didn't know about. And it finally caught up with me. And now it's like I have these years of, um, I guess, kind of negative habits to erase and a lot of work to do as a result. And it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's unfortunate. Like, yeah, it is, but it was definitely a learning experience. And so I hope that I can use my experience and help other people so that they don't make the same mistakes think that's help very helpful because it's easy to get caught up in what you're doing and not pay attention to actually what's happening with your body how it's feeling um you know it's one thing to just like grab a, a diet program or a training program and be like that's for me i'm gonna do it because so and so is doing it and they look great so i'm just gonna adopt what they're doing and then forget about paying attention to your body so what would you say you know you mentioned do, kind of going following that approach, um, you know, overtraining, but it sounds like probably under eating and maybe not eating the right things either. Mm-hmm. How, you know, long into it, what did it take before you felt like something was wrong? Oh, gosh. Let's see. So like I said, this all started when I was probably like 14 or 15, but I was still at a healthy weight. I carried, you know, a reasonable amount of body fat because really I wasn't doing the right things with my diet. So I was going to the gym, I was lifting weights, I was doing cardio, but I was still eating a lot of carbohydrates, um, you know, probably sufficient protein, not the right amount or right type of fat, um, but everything was, you know, it was like low fat, no sugar, but it didn't mean that it was healthy foods. I remember every single day for lunch when I was in high school, I would go to this place called Yogurt Park and I would get like this huge frozen yogurt (laughs) with chocolate sprinkles. And looking back on it, it was probably like at least 250 grams of carbs just in that. (laughs) So like my body wasn't really changing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I made some progress, I think, because like the exercise helped. And when you've gone from doing no resistance training or no like formal weight training to actually doing something, 
um, you know, you're going to make some progress, right? Even right. if your diet isn't perfect. Right. And um, you were you were fairly young at that time too. So you probably had, you know, there was a little more room for, for forgiveness. Yes. Um, you know, hormones weren't, uh, you know, you were early on enough to where you didn't cause like a lot of initial damage. Um, let's at least, let's hope not. Totally. Um, but that's probably, you know, the start of when things started being thrown off. I, I think so. Um, and let's see. I... My heaviest weight was 130 pounds, and that was when I was in middle school. So I was definitely a little bit overweight. Yeah. And, and Marcy's really small. For those of you who you can't see her, <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a very petite, petite woman. So yeah. that, that's a significant weight for someone her size. Right. And like right now I'm five foot two, but in middle school I was maybe, you know, five feet. So mm-hmm. five feet, 130. And it was not muscle. It was body fat. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was very unhappy with that. And when I got into high school, I wanted to do something about it. So I started going to the gym with my mom, and at the time, she had joined Weight Watchers. And the joke is, you know, my mom joined Weight Watchers, and I ended up losing all the weight. So I was, like, (laughs) counting points, and and really all that was was, like, portion control, right? But it kind of, like, got the ball rolling. Um, And so I think by my sophomore year, I was maybe around, like, 118 pounds, I would say, and then by my senior year, when I graduated high school, I was 108 pounds. And uh-huh. I definitely had like, you know, a little bit more muscle on me. I was leaner. Um, I had actually taken a class. It was a sports medicine class. And we did a unit on, do you remember Body for Life with Bill yes. Phillips? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was great. I mean, if I learned anything in high school, like that was that was kind of transformational, right? Um, because it taught me. Yeah, I was eating six meals a day and all of that, but it taught me like how to eat better, um, you know, more protein. I guess just better like food choices. Mm-hmm. Um, it taught me how to train a little more intensely as well. So that was kind of, I guess, the, sh- the initial shift. Um, so I graduated, like I said, I was like 108 pounds and I l- looked pretty good. And then I went to college and that's when everything really began to unravel um, by my freshman year oh gosh I would say like a couple months into it everyone you know loses the or gains the freshman 15 I Mm -hmm. pretty much lost it so I was 98 pounds oh my goodness at at my smallest yeah and looking back um I didn't really see it like I saw myself getting leaner and smaller and I was like oh this is great you know I'm I'm finally lean but I I wanted more muscle like I wanted all these things so I, I kept training really hard and um, my friends were getting really concerned and I actually like lost some friends because of it, you know, because mm-hmm. my lifestyle was just, it was so rigid and I was up early in the morning, you know, running or going to the gym to do cardio. And then I would lift in the afternoon and, um, my diet was so restrictive and, and people, they felt really uncomfortable around me and yeah. that, Especially I mean, at that age, too. I mm-hmm. mean, that that's usually the age where people are, well, they're going to college, but they're usually being more social. They're hanging out with their friends. They're, you know, maybe going out and having a good time on the weekends. Um, they're definitely not sticking to a rigorous exercise program unless they're an athlete. Yeah, which I definitely wasn't. No, it was all for vanity purposes, <laughs> right? So, yeah, I think that's kind of when everything started to unravel and I but I had no idea I didn't really know what was going on my first sign of something being amiss would be my junior year where 
I went on a houseboating trip over Memorial Day weekend and I came back and I woke up the next morning with this like horrible rash all over me that looked like the chicken pox or poison oak. Mm -hmm. And that's what I thought it was because I was houseboating, right? right? So it would have made sense. Um, come to find out a couple years or a couple months later that I had developed an autoimmune skin condition. So mm. I think that, you know, autoimmunity is a sign that something is going on internally in your body. And that's a topic for a whole nother day. But lifestyle factors, environmental factors, stress, all of that um, definitely pay, play a part. And I think that with the stress of being in school, um, you know, working out too much, not eating the right diet, drinking. Um, I think <laughs> it all of- just like, it was the perfect storm right. to really like, you know, set off this cascade of um, of issues. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's like, it's stressors from like every angle possible. Yes. So not only are you stressed out because you're in school, but then you're putting your body under stress because you're not eating enough. Mm-hmm. And then you're over exercising, mm-hmm. which is causing more stress, probably weren't sleeping well either with all of that no 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 Mm -hmm. no yeah going to bed late but having to get up at five in the morning to go to the gym right so but when you go to the doctor to talk about an autoimmune condition like they don't tell you those things it's like oh we don't really know why this is happening but you know here's some medication that you'll Mm -hmm. be on for the rest of your life like you know you can never cure this but they don't give you any answers as to why Um, right or even like a hint of hey maybe you could look at this as a possible contributing factor to the problem. Yeah, but I don't even think they really knew that at the time. Like, I feel yeah, like that's that true. This is, was a while ago. It was a while ago. I mean, so, gosh, almost 11, 11 12 years ago, I guess. I don't remember exactly. Um, and they just kind of say, it is what it is. Sorry, can't help you. Um, they don't think that food has anything to do with it. They don't really think that. They think that stress can you know, maybe make it worse right, or cause a flare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I was just kind of like, I don't know, blind at that time and not really knowing that it was the result of everything that I was putting my body through. So my second kind of wake up call came probably in 2000, early 2009. I had been on the birth control pill since my freshman year of college and I decided to go off of it for a while because I had, you know, been like switching, switching brands and this one was kind of making me crazy. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to go off of it for a while, see if I feel better. Well, I went off of it and my period stopped. Mm. Um, and that was kind of like, you know, an odd, an odd thing to happen. And I went to the doctor and she said, okay, well, let's put you on another one. So went back on the pill, period came back. When I went off of it again, period went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who don't know, women who don't know who are listening, um, that is a huge, huge red flag that yes. there is something seriously wrong going yes. on in your body. Um, but again, like at the time, maybe it was, oh, it's convenient, right? <laughs> but I didn't realize what a major issue it was. And only in recent years have I really come to realize that that it's a huge problem. Um, that needs to be addressed and really like other other goals need to take a back seat to health when that presents itself well it's a huge you know signal or what's the right word not signal but um indicator of Mm -hmm. where you are Mm -hmm. health-wise because our body's regulated by hormones if they're not balanced 
something's off. Absolutely. So, and, and not getting your period is a huge signal that something's off. And it's pretty normal when, for someone who was on birth control for however long, when they get off for it to not come back, like right away. But usually within a couple months, I think they say up to six yeah. is as long as it can take. Um, but if beyond that, it hasn't. And you perhaps, were you getting all the symptoms that you were going to get your, that it was going to come every month, but it never did? No. Oh, that's Mm-mm. lucky. At least Mm-mm. you didn't have that because that drives you crazy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I had that experience. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but just like you said, like realizing that that was a huge problem and that should be the priority over any other goal. Yeah. Because at that point, if you continued on that path and just kind of like nonchalantly was like, oh, maybe it'll just come one day. But continued, you know, with the level of of exercise and the way that you were dieting. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows where you'd be at this point? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I'll be totally transparent. Um, I'm still struggling with it, right? So, I I did eventually gain the weight back. So I graduated from college at about 108 pounds. But again, like I said, I think so much damage had already been done that it didn't really matter at that point. Like my hormones were already just totally screwed up Mm -hmm. and the pill was just a Band-Aid, right? So I would see doctors. I even went to like a reproductive endocrinologist and she tried to put me back on the pill so that I would be at least getting the hormones to, you know, support like bone development and so I didn't like risk osteoporosis and things like that. but but yeah, really all it is is a Band-Aid, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's artificially giving you the hormones it needs to to produce that response. But really your body can't do it on its own. Um, so I went for a long time, you know, just kind of like turning my head the other way. Like, oh, I'll, f- I'll figure it out. You know, I'm still young. Like I don't want kids for a long time. So it's not really that important. And I was still chasing this physique and and I mean, I still am like that will always be, you know, why why I love to train like I, I do like to look good. I'll be <laughs> honest. I mean, sure, like it, it makes me feel good. It gives me confidence. I like feeling strong and empowered and all of that. But I would be lying if I said I, I don't have, you know, issues from the past where I did not feel good about myself and and training really changed that so mm-hmm. i think there will always be that like in the back of my mind um but i'm definitely now more focused on or more accepting of the fact that i may not be able to be as lean as i want i may have to have some cellulite on my on my <laughs> thighs which you know has been like uh has been the thing that i've been trying to get rid of since i was well, I don't know, since I first started all this. But yeah, that like sometimes like you just have to accept that and your health is definitely more important and it can be hard to do. But but really, I think what's interesting, Alex, is, you know, I look at other people and I don't judge their bodies the way I judge my own. And I don't really think that other people do either. Like no. I'm a personal trainer, right? Like my clients don't judge me based on like, what size I am, how much, you know, if I gain 10 pounds, which I have, um, they don't comment on it. Like, I don't really think that many people notice. Like, I think it's much more of our own personal insecurity um, that can really, and it can get us into trouble, unfortunately. Oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, especially when you get that idea 
uh, that vision in your head of what, you know, we're supposed to look like mm-hmm. or what you've seen in the magazines. I mean, especially I was I was a big oxygen reader back in the day as well. And I pulled a lot of my initial like training and diet concepts from that um, because I loved how the women in the magazine looked. And that's still, you know, for as many women as I've worked with today or since then, that's still an image in my head that I will probably always think of as like, very, very fit mm-hmm. um, because they look the part. And I think one thing, and, and I've definitely experienced this um, just in working with people and being a coach and a trainer is I want to live up to the image that my that I assume my clients want to see me as. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just like you said, they're probably not judging you if you do gain a little weight or look a little softer one day. Um, but I want to look the part for my clients. I want to yes. be the motivation for them. If I can't do it for myself, how am I going to do it for them? Mm-hmm. So there's this like underlying pressure we put on ourselves to live up to the expectations that we put on ourselves. Totally. And assume that other people <laughs> think, but they probably don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the irony of that is I, uh, oh gosh, this is, I'm kind of all over the place with this story. Like, because my weight has definitely fluctuated from when I first started to graduating college. And then at one point, um, maybe like a couple years after I graduated, my weight went up to 118 because I was, I hired a friend of mine who was a bodybuilder and did a lot of coaching. And I was like, I want to gain muscle. Because really like that's been my goal for a long time is I, like you were talking about with the the oxygen magazines, like oxygen muscle and fitness hers like that's really where i developed this like affinity for for muscle and for leanness and i wanted like you know big shoulders and like i wanted to look like a figure competitor and i have chased that that look ever since i started um and so i hired this guy and i was like that's what i want to look like and so he put me on this diet that was I mean, so many carbs, so many calories, and my body like did not respond well to it because I'm sure that our our listeners are familiar with the term, you know, now metabolic damage and maybe like reverse dieting and all that. Well, my body was definitely damaged. Um, And I think that 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 like huge just like uh, influx of calories was way too much for it to handle at once. And so... Yeah, I mean, I gained like more than 10 pounds pretty quickly. And, and then I, you know, then I'm like, oh, well, I'm uncomfortable. So I'm going to diet it off. And I did that bulk and cut cycle, you know, numerous times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, so the last time I was on the show, I probably weighed like 102 pounds. I was really tiny. And then I ended up um, doing some sort of like reverse dieting, but using the carb backloading principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and my weight increased pretty rapidly at that point too but it what was interesting is all of my clients kind of like they noticed it right but not in like a negative way they're like well like you've gained some weight but like you look really good like this is a much better look for you Mm, because you probably Um, didn't look all like sucked up and exactly (laughs) like i mean i probably looked a little like sickly at some Mm -hmm. points right and people would comment on that they would be like are you okay like you know are you are you not feeling well and I had some other health issues going on um, that were, you know, the result of being underweight, obviously. But, but yeah, I think, um, I think what you said is very true. 
I do like try to uphold the standard, but it's maybe not like what the majority of people view as aesthetically pleasing. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And also as a like a realistic obtainable goal. Yes. Like it's one thing to look at someone and be like, you look awesome. Mm-hmm. Is that something that the average client wants? Mm-hmm. For themselves, probably not. Right. Most of them just want to lose a little bit of weight, feel better, move better, and have it be fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just ha- having us both experience this, and I'm sure you've seen clients that come in and, and they assume that they have to do all of this work mm-hmm. uh, to get what they want. And uh, it's just a very common misconception. And it's easy to get caught up with. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if we don't have our health – you know, we don't have anything. So you can try to obtain this like ideal image, but, and you can look great on the outside, but your body on the inside can be, you know, telling a completely different story, mm-hmm. which is what I think is unfortunate with, um, you know, the media and the images that we see from like, I think when we started, you know, Oxygen and all of those magazines to now Facebook, Instagram, all of that, like we see these women and they look great, but we have no idea what is going on inside. And like, Mm -hmm. are they metabolically damaged? Are they, you know, hormonally, all of that? Like there can be so many other things going on where they may look good, but they're like, they're not healthy. And that was me for a really long time. And like I said, it's taken a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of knowledge, a lot of patience to finally like you know, restore my health and I'm still working on it. Right. You know, it's, it seems like it's, you know, once you get started and just like you said, you went down a really deep rabbit hole and it's going to take time to get yourself out of the hole. Mm -hmm. It's not like, just like if you put it on a bunch of weight, you're not going to lose it in a week. No. Um, But keeping that in mind too with your health, like if you've gone down a bad hole for a long time, you're not going to jump right out of it. You're not going to find one diet and be like, this is the saving grace. You could, I'm not saying it's not possible, it's unlikely, um, but there's always going to be a level of experimentation Mm -hmm. and time investment, but also doing your research. Like, reading about things, learning about, you know, what could cause this, what could cause that, putting all the pieces together that are appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. Because you could have people, two women who've done crazy amounts of diet and exercise and have health issues, but they might not be the same health issues. Mm-hmm. Therefore, their solutions might not be the same Yeah, for each other. And I think something we talked about off the air a little bit was just the various you know, the re- the research that you did in trying to figure this all out and the different approaches you tried and different coaches you worked with. And mm-hmm. it's going to take time mm-hmm. and patience. And patience, yeah. And, um, and I think, too, like, it's going to take a lot of – well, I shouldn't say a lot, but a certain level of getting uncomfortable, right? Because in order to restore your health, if you have, like, gotten to that place, you are going to – have to sacrifice a little bit of of the aesthetic side of things, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, you're going to have to gain a little bit of weight. You're going to have to get, gain a little bit of body fat. And and that's not to say that you can never, you know, return to to those goals down the road. But if you want to get healthier again, yeah, it's going to be a sacrifice that you have to make for a while. Mm-hmm. And And that's been something that's been really, really hard for me to wrap my head around, right? Because as much as I hate to admit this, like for a long time, and I, I still struggle with it, like, you know, my identity is kind of 
been this like you know like you said referred to me earlier like this tiny little person like oh you're so lean you're so tiny you're so you know like you must only weigh 100 pounds and <laughs> I'm like well uh, like no I want to be muscular I want like don't call me tiny like you know um but but yeah I mean that I guess maybe I should say like my self-worth almost which I again like this is really bad to say has been in what I look like and so knowing that I have other goals for myself. Like, you know, I want a family one day. Um, I have got to get my priorities a little more in line and realize that if if that's what I want, then yeah, I may not be able to um, work towards like the physique goals that I want at this current time, right? right? Mm -hmm. And, And I may not feel super comfortable, but it's what's, you know, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, like, what is really the most important? And for me right now, it is feeling good, um, you know, being healthy, being strong, but also hopefully setting myself up so that, um, yeah, I can have, I can have a family one day. That's mm-hmm. really what it's all about at this point. I think that's very realistic yes. and true for a lot of women out mm-hmm. there. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm kind of at that point too um, in terms of thinking about family and all of that. We're getting um, old, Alex. I know. <laughs> the clock is ticking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but just considering, you know, it's good to have short-term goals and long-term goals. And I think what it sounds like you're saying is the long-term goal is health. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of short-term goals that you can have along the way. Mm-hmm. And that might be, like you said, like maybe you do want to try some things out in the gym so that you do feel strong and capable. And maybe there are some tactics that you can play with to help get your hormones back on track. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the big goal, the long-term goal is health and to, you know, be able to do all of the things you want to do and feel good and not have to worry about ruining things further, but paying attention to all the little steps that you can make along the way. And I think that's a bigger message and something that a lot of people lose sight of when they're thinking about their main goal, which for most women, at least who come through the coaching system, want to lose body fat. Mm-hmm. They want to lean out. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great to have that main goal, but it's critical to have all of those short tiny goals along the way to a help you feel good feel accomplished feel like you can control something and tackle something whether it's really really new or not so like can you give give us an example of maybe some smaller goals that you set along the way and maybe you know even some that didn't work out oh gosh goals that didn't work out that's a hard one i can't really think of anything um, you know, right off the bat with goals that didn't work out. But I think for now, it's just more trying to focus more on like performance-based goals, right? So um, one thing that Brett always talks about is, you know, setting PRs in the gym. So so making sure that I am getting stronger, um, maybe not with every workout, but like that is the intention like over time is to get stronger, um, and I think that when you focus on performance and not to say that I don't focus on aesthetics too, I mean, I do, but like, I think when you focus on, on performance, like sometimes the aesthetics kind of like fall into place mm-hmm. because Add, added, added bonus. Uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, like you need progressive overload in order to 
build muscle and to change the shape of your body. Um, And I think that chasing something like that is very encouraging because when you see yourself getting stronger, like, I mean, for me, there is, there's no better feeling. It's, it's almost like, you know, you're on, you're on top of the world. It's really, it is like a crazy little high. Yeah. Did I really just lift that much? I know. I know. (laughs) Not I'm like not crazy strong. Right. So, um, but you're strong for you and that's all that matters. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's been fun to to see that progression over time. So I guess for me, like that's that's kind of like one of the goals. And then um, really just, uh, well, I should say going back to health, um, a goal has been trying to keep my autoimmune disease in remission um, because it's something that I, you know, it's on my skin, so I see it. And I can become like very fixated on that. But if I don't see anything there, it's like, okay, I know that I'm doing something right. Like my body is not attacking itself. Mm-hmm. And and that's like, that's huge for me. Um, so I know that like all the lifestyle factors that I have implemented, um, the nutritional changes that I've implemented, those are are paying off, right? Because they're they're not easy. Like it's definitely a sacrifice that I've made um, for the past couple of years that make it, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point now where it doesn't, it's like second nature to me, but it can be hard to navigate, um, you know, relationships or, you know, going out to eat or going on vacation. You have to be very diligent about it. So, um, I guess, yeah, my, my overall goal is just to like keep myself in good health. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's unfortunate that when you are off, you know, your body's off, maybe you, you've you've gone on vacation and, you know, your diet wasn't perfect, that your your cues are visual because mm-hmm. a lot of p- people experience internal cues yeah. that they're just – they're not quite um, as good at paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, oh, my stomach is a little off. Like, but what is that – you know, what is that a result of? Whereas like I have the same thing. I have eczema. Oh, so okay. when I stress out – or I have eat certain things, the eczema flares up. Yeah. That's like a very obvious cue. Yes. Something is off. (laughs) And even though it sucks because not only can we see it then, but other people can see it, but it's kind of like a a very convenient signal that something's off. Like you can't deny that. Whereas if somebody's, you know, their stomach's a little off, or maybe they didn't go to the bathroom that day, it's easy to just kind of brush it off like Mm -hmm. oh it'll just get better Mm -hmm. um so it's like it's one of those unfortunate but fortunate side effects yeah well you know what's really interesting is um so my first like autoimmune flare when i was basically like covered in this stuff um in college i mean i had no idea what the trigger was i i think that it like i said was you know lifestyle factor stress all of that um but i really i was able to kind of put that into remission and then not have another bad flare up until about two years ago. So I think it was November of 2013. And this is a time when I had like, I was making tons of lifestyle changes. So really trying to manage my stress, um, decreasing my activity in the gym. So, you know, focusing more on weight training, doing less cardio, taking up yoga, um, you know, going for like restorative walks, things like that. I was eating a very, very strict diet. Um, it was actually an autoimmune version of paleo. So it cut out a lot of foods. Um, I was like at this good point in my life. I 
like a lot was like going well right and out of nowhere i developed this like the worst flare that i've ever had Mm. and i'm like wait a minute like i'm doing everything right so what is the missing piece and like you said and that's a really i'm really glad you brought that up that you know you and i are fortunate that we can see something and that will let us know hey something isn't right so it causes you to investigate further and i would say for anybody who doesn't have that um really just like listen to your body because it will scream at you Mm -hmm. and if you listen you know you can figure out what is going on and make the changes necessary so that you don't get to um you know an even worse place Mm -hmm. and and sometimes i think that like people are just kind of used to like not feeling that well um it almost just be like they just get used to it's just normal it becomes it's like their new normal right Mm um and yeah any symptom that you have, like the ones that you kind of refer to, is not normal. So yes. if you are experiencing any of those, I definitely encourage you to look further into it. Well, you just made me think of a client that I recently worked with over the summer who originally, she probably won't mind me sharing her story. Um, she originally came to me for competition prep. And I have a very thorough way of evaluating clients when I first put them through a program like that because not everyone should compete Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I want to make sure that your body is ready to do that and there were a lot of red flags that came up in the first few weeks of being on the program that which is why we kind of go through this initial starting point and the red flags were red flags for me but they were flags that she had been experiencing for years Mm. but didn't really consider to be that important and when I stressed it, its importance, like, okay, this, this, if this isn't happening all the time, we, this is actually something that's really wrong. We need to fix this first. Mm-hmm. Priorities need to change. Like, this is what I, I'm recommending for you. It's obviously your call if you want to investigate it, but this isn't normal. Something we, we need to look at this. This is very important. And I, I'm not comfortable then like helping you in the, in the prep area. If this isn't fixed. Yeah. Because I don't want to be responsible for making anything worse. <laughs> exactly. Are you able to elaborate on on what some of those issues were just to give the readers an idea of, hey, you know, if maybe they're experiencing some of this, that something may be amiss? Regular bowel movements. Mm, huge. Very important. Yeah. If your tummy's not doing its normal regular thing, there's a reason. Yep. Yep. And that should be a priority. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it that, you know, something like that for having gone on for so many years, it's like, that's just how my, it's easy to say that's just how my body is. It's like, oh, I just don't go to the bathroom every day. Um, but it's actually a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so how did you uh, move forward with her? Did you say like, I can't take you on as a client until, or as a competition client? Until Correct. You, okay. We just shifted gears. Our okay. priorities changed and we began, uh, just attacked it on a slightly different approach. We still obviously worked with the diet, um, but kept more thorough logs. And mm-hmm. for someone like her, um, it worked out really well because she knew what was going on, but she kind of just brushed it off as not like that big of a deal. So once we started tracking the regularity of it, when it was regular, what did I eat? Mm-hmm. When it's not, what did I eat? Mm-hmm. What are the, you know, I, I did X, Y, and Z, and this was a result. So just putting pieces together, but really keeping the logs. Because again, if it's not an external cue, 
or signal that something's off, you got to listen to like all the little things that are going on in your in your body. Yeah. Um, you know, how does my stomach feel after I eat this? Let's make a note of it. Making too many notes is always better than not making enough notes when you're trying to figure out something like that. You know, it can get a little like OCD, <laughs> nitpicky. Um, but when it comes to a problem that you've had for a long time and you've tried other things to fix it, it is important to make notes and keep data to work from. Because um, at least then, like, she ended up going and seeing uh, a doctor for some help. And just as we suspected, they were very unhelpful. Oh, no. It was more like, oh, take this. Of course then. they did. See what happens. And she's like, no, I've already done all of that <laughs> on my own. Um, but luckily to say, after a few months of tracking things and trial and error, um, things have greatly improved. Oh, that's so exciting to hear. Greatly and I mean, I really have to commend you for, um, I guess, sticking to you know your integrity and, and making sure that her health was a priority. Um, because a lot of coaches, I hate to say this, but they will look the other way and, or not even ask the questions, right? Right. Just take the person's money and say, here's your plan. You know, I don't really care how you feel. And that happened to me. You know, I've worked with plenty of coaches who they didn't ask these questions mm -hmm. and, um, and maybe they just didn't have the knowledge, right? But if they did and had they asked, then maybe I wouldn't be where I am today. So, so she's very lucky to have someone who, you know, cared about her to that extent. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I care about all my people. Well, no, I, I know you do. <laughs> um, but just doing you know, your due diligence is really important. Yes. So, so if anybody listening out there is a coach, I mean, please take that into consideration mm -hmm. and, and learn from Alex's experience because it can really, yeah, it can help the client a lot in the long run because if those pieces are not in play, like um, gut health, hormonal health, then the person is not going to get the ultimate optimal results. Right. And they might kill themselves in the process mm -hmm. of trying in the aftermath. I mean, it could be devastating, mm -hmm. far worse than anything that they experienced before. Right. Um, so, you know, just kind of going back to the, the original topic, <laughs> <laughs> prioritizing goals yeah. and, and making the shifts if and when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, always thinking about your long-term goals, what's really important to you long-term, and then and then planning things out along the way and having fun with it. Mm -hmm. Because if there are issues going on that you're trying to fix, of course it's going to be stressful and uncomfortable and probably really frustrating at times when things, you know, perhaps didn't work out like you had hoped. Um, but just giving yourself a break and being patient with it and trusting yourself and what the cues that your body is giving you and not giving up. Yeah. Well, and I don't want anybody to kind of misconstrue with what, you know, what we're saying. And like, I'm definitely not telling you like, don't have a fat loss goal. Like you definitely can. I'm just saying go about it in a smart way because there are plenty of great coaches out there. Um, you know, Alex, I do, I'm more of a personal trainer. Um, I do some nutrition coaching. But there are plenty of coaches who will have their clients' health in mind and can, you know, help them reach that that physique goal, you know, help them lose fat, whatever it is, in a healthy and sustainable manner. It may take a little bit longer. So like you were saying, 
be patient, trust the process. That's one of my you know, favorite quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will get there, but it is far better to do it slowly than to do it as quickly as possible and risk one, um, you know, impairing your health and two, um, you know, risking gaining all the weight back and then some. Right. Because mm-hmm. I've seen that happen quite a few times as well. And it can be really hard to undo that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. definitely. The, we thought the first time was hard. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> yeah, I heard one – I heard a, a nutrition coach say a couple of weeks ago, essentially, like, you can crash diet one time and then and, – and that's it. And your body, like, will not recover from that. Mm-hmm. Like, you, will, it will be an uphill batter, battle from then on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really true. Yep. It was true in my case. Yep. You know, so. Well, we're just about out of time. Um, I think we covered everything we wanted to. Yeah. And then some. And I think we have some, actually have some good little uh, seeds planted for potential episodes down the line. I do too. Um, the hormone one I think is, is obvious, you know, an easy one to come back to and something we get questions on a lot. So um, I'm sure we'll be able to touch on those later down the road. But I just wanted to thank you for coming on again. Well, thank so, you for having me. So nice to have you back. Yeah. And Welcome back uh, to the Bay Area. Thank you. Yay. So excited to be back. <laughs> the weather's been gorgeous in November. It's just just about to be fall. You can just feel it in the air. It's nice. Yep. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengel. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.